0: It's not a flag, it's a company, a high-flying company, and it will cheerfully work you to death. By the time you are old, the pension is sold, and your cube will be your casket. It's a company, a high-flying company, now please get back to work. Welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops. This pod, we'll be talking about Uva Bowl's Postal. Please don't hate us. Folks, and Thanks again for joining us for the 68th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com, the Interweb's premier podcast dedicated to talking about everybody's favorite bad and or financially unsuccessful films. And this movie is both. Yes. Tonight, as part of our Up Up Down Down Left Right Left Right B.A. Select Flop series, we are talking about what some consider to be the worst film in history, Based on a video game property. Tonight, we will be discussing 2007's Postal. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> First off, let me apologize Yikes. for Yeah. Mr. Wizard, Captain Cash, I am truly sorry for bringing this abomination into your cinematic lives. <laughs> Listen, I don't accept your apology. <laughs> Fair. Fuck you and fuck
1: this movie.
2: Fair. I, uh, yeah, this was really bad, but... I've actually seen, I think, four of his movies. I saw Blood Rain, uh, Alone in the Dark, House of the Dead. I think I saw the in The Name of the King, Dungeon Siege movie. That was was him? And this wasn't... I don't think this was even the worst one. So as mad as I was, it's like, well, I've seen worse. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I,
0: I, I would agree this is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But there is a charm to it, and I think it's self-aware that it redeems itself to a certain degree. Just they knew barely. exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he goes so, um, like...
2: he goes full bowl here. There's no brakes on this out-of-control shit wagon that's barreling towards just a bus full of school children.
1: Last week we crowned the shit movie champion, and I'm not gonna Restart that discussion, but this movie is in, unquestionably worse than the Super Mario Brothers movie. The only thing that redeems it is that it's not trying anywhere near as hard as Super Mario Brothers did.
0: Uh, yeah, I can't agree. I, I think this movie's in bad taste, but yes. I think that's completely on purpose, though. And right by that, I give it credit for being successful. At it was attempt- <coughs> excuse me, I give it credit there for being successful at what it was attempting to do. But yeah, I think as you pointed out, Mr. Wizard, all you really need to know about this movie is that it's directed and produced by Uva Bowl, and this movie is so boltastic. And somewhat starring.
2: Uwe yeah, Boll. yeah, he makes a, yeah. an appearance, uh, in as himself, probably the most tasteless scene. Well, actually, I don't know. It's a. It's really a toss up because there's a call. lot of them. Yeah, there's the most we'll, dead we'll children there, but... in that scene. So.
0: Yeah, that scene definitely checks a lot of boxes for the offensive material category. Um, but as I said before, joining me as always are the aforementioned Thunderous Wizard dialing in from his summer trailer home in Paradise, Arizona.
2: Uh yeah. Um, somebody just blew <laughs> somebody just blew up my neighbor's trailer, so uh a little bit of chaos here. A lot of chunks of heavy set woman flying around the trailer park today. <laughs> You'll have that. You'll have that. And
0: taking a break from leading his very own Doomsday Cult and or Expanse Fan Club is none other than Captain Cash.
1: All right. Who's ready to eat the brownies? I'm, I'm ready to eat the brownies and just end this.
0: I, I just finished mine.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> this will be a record quick pod then.
0: Yep. You can find me lurking on Twitter at Chumpzilla8 and in the bestgore.com comment section. Gentlemen, where can the listener find you on the socials?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK. And
1: you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social
0: media. Just did a thing for Save Daredevils. So check that out. Yeah, very cool, Captain Cash. Very cool. And that brings us to beer. And uh, I might have to apologize as well for tonight's beer selection for the episode. Because I decided to pair with such a bad movie an equally bad beer, Steel motherfucking reserve. Sorry? You are batting a right now but you know what
1: to talk about this movie I'll take it
2: for a movie in such poor taste as this you need something that tastes poor and that is Steel Reserve. so I think it's an apropos choice
0: <laughs> yeah I think it pairs very well with this movie and of course I went with the black can <clears throat> so let me crack one right now so this multi-beer-like beverage checks in at a hefty and reality-distorting 8.1 ABV. And frankly, you'll need to kill as many brain cells as possible before you can properly absorb the cinematic stylings of Uva Boll in his shockingly offensive B-movie magnum opus, Postal. So, to that, fellas, cheers. Uh,
1: do I, I, I don't know that this movie deserves that level of respect, but yeah, I'll start drinking. You
0: know, just to give a little comment oh, on the beer, it's uh, sweet. Very malt liquor like. Not 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 doesn't taste too boozy, you know, for being eight point one. It's probably because all the unrefined sugars in there. That tastes like bar juice. Uh, like someone just yeah, took a bar mat and
1: emptied it into a glass.
0: Surprisingly easy to drink. And uh, I feel I feel like less of a, a real human being at the moment.
2: So, yeah, for two dollars okay. a can
0: though, I can I can see this. As far as the movie goes, I'd rate this movie at two and a half big cans of steel reserve. You'll be good and numb after the first can. You'll probably start to enjoy the movie midway through the second. And you'll most likely fall asleep, mercifully so, <clears throat> halfway through the third without finishing the movie, if you're lucky. And also, I'd add, I'd finish your drink when Uva Boll pays Vern Troyer with Nazi gold in the form of gold teeth from Holocaust victims.
1: I really... Fuck.
0: Oh. Yeah, that, that's a thing
1: that happens. This movie, like... I've said this before. We talk about six beer movies being fun. I'm not sure that this is. This is a six beer movie, but only if you drink three of those beers before you hit play. Then drink the remaining three in whatever stupor you can manage to get through this thing in.
0: It certainly wouldn't hurt.
1: It, it listen, being drunk or asleep almost certainly improves the experience of watching
0: that's fair
2: yeah i watched it in shifts uh because I, i i mean i'd be lying if i said there wasn't certain scenes i found to be kind of funny like the the anthem that started the pod about uh work and the company and maybe one other but it's really it's like a bad sketch comedy routine where all the jokes are super tasteless and it's just pointless Oh, also full frontal nudity for no real reason.
0: Uh, and not from any of the super hot chicks you'd want it no. from. you get it from Dave Foley. From Dave
2: Foley, the guy in his radio. I left
0: you to call it
1: jokes. I'm not sure you can call them jokes. It's They gave a 13-year-old boy $5 million to make a movie, and they went, you know what's funny? Penises.
0: <laughs> well,
2: I mean, the movie well, Dave we... Foley's
0: penis is pretty funny.
2: We'll get to it because <laughs> I the... laughed
0: at it. I like, oh, I, I enjoyed that. that... Yeah.
2: You don't get yeah. that very often. And I it's... give
0: Uva some credit there. But okay, so that's six beers from you, Captain Cash. What do you I... rank it, Mister? I mean, Wizard? if you're
2: drinking Steel Reserve, good luck get through. Still six. six. Yeah. Still good luck getting through them. Yeah, but it's easily. I mean, at no point are you really going to be having any fun with this, so you might as well just keep drinking. Uh, yeah. I mean, you might as well chug for everything you find to be uh beyond the reasonable limits of offensiveness, such as the opening of the film, which I'm sure you'll talk about in just a moment. So I won't spoil yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. This
0: thing comes right out of the gate, like with the offensive material turned up to eleven. It's like, if whoa. I
1: fully believe you can joke about anything. You have to be able to tell jokes, but the way in which like the punchline of the joke needs to be funny. And none of these are, this
0: is the most low hanging fruit you have ever seen. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I do think there's something interesting to say about this movie, but we'll get there. It's not redeeming, but it is interesting. And, I, and to, to Uva Bull's credit, I think that's all he was really shooting for. But anyway, mm-hmm. so to go along with the new format we've got here, um, so as part of our new segment here where we rate the beer with a number of movies, uh, for the beer tonight for Steel Reserve, I would give this uh, a zero movie rating. This is not a beer you drink for enjoyment. This is a beverage you consume because it's the most cost-effective way to exit this point of existence without resorting to hard drugs. Captain Cash, Mr. Wizard, what do you say? Easy answer. Zero. zero movies. This this movie is worth the time
1: it takes to crack the beer and throw it at the screen before you get up and fucking leave.
0: all right just just for uh, for uh, <clears throat> just to summarize here listeners, that is a zero movie beer across the board.
2: yeah no zero hundred 100 percent yeah uh, I couldn't even get through postal drinking it so let alone something yeah yeah you know. I, I watched
0: you know, I this movie bad. three times I watched this movie three times for the pod. I, I hate to admit that.
2: You should have kept that to yourself.
0: (laughs) I
1: will say of the beer, it is the best of the cheap, shitty beer you can buy. So if you're a hard-up alcoholic and really, 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 really need to get drunk, you know, maybe
0: get help and don't drink this. It scratches that itch. But anyway, let's talk quickly about the game the movie is based on because it's frankly not all that popular. Um, it's not a console title, so that probably hurts it a bit. It's a PC only deal. Uh, what we're
1: Show talking of about hands, here. Though, who had heard of this game before you made us watch this stupid movie? Because, nope.
2: Yeah, I've heard of the game. I've never played it, but based upon the movie, I never will play it. So. Yep. <laughs>
0: so... Yeah. I, I will admit, I was aware of the game. Uh, I never played it, but I knew of it because it was kind of famous for being super offensive. That was always kind of its Mm shtick. So that sort of plays into the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, again, it's actually a franchise. Uh, Postal is developed by the studio Running With Scissors, and this is their only game slash franchise. So this is the only thing that company has done. Yep, (laughs) Um, It's a hyper-violent series of shooters of various perspective varieties. And there have been three games released so far, starting with 1997's Postal, running through the yet-to-be-released Postal 4, No Regrets. Uh, the movie was mainly based on 2003's Postal 2, although it does pull some material from the first game. Postal 2 was a first-person shooter in which you play as the titular Postal Dude and are tasked with completing a series of missions over the course of five days in an open-world environment a la Grand Theft Auto. Uh, The game does have an interesting mechanic for completing the tasks and that you can complete most, if not all, of the missions without killing anyone. The game was promoted with the tagline, it's only as violent as you are, but how much fun can you really have playing as a pacifist? (laughs) You can also shoot and dismember people before urinating on their corpses, as one does.
1: That, yeah, no, that tracks for this movie, if that's how the game is, that seems about right.
0: Yeah. Yep. And
1: it's such edge
0: lord toss. Yes, and that is precisely the uh, flavor and style of the game. It is just nihilistic and edgy for the sake of being edgy. Ugh. That's kind of the thing. Uh, so the tale of the tape here, Postal, was released in October 2007 in both Europe and the U.S., It opened at number twenty-seven in Germany. lasted (laughs) only two weeks in Italy. After making two whole weeks, two whole weeks after making just three thousand, yeah, after making just three thousand nine hundred and eighty dollars, and it appeared on just four, count them, four screens in the U.S. Its worldwide box office take was just one hundred forty-six thousand seven hundred and forty-one American dollars on a budget of about fifteen. So it flopped.
1: Yeah, spectacularly, and we'll talk about it,
0: but deservedly so. Like, yeah, I can't, well, I can't say nice things about this movie. Well, I'll say to be fair, you see most of that fifteen million on the screen.
1: Yeah, no, no, that, that, I agree.
0: So I'm yeah. fairly certain this was not a money laundering operation, although I'm not a hundred percent sure. Oh, bullshit! This was a hundred percent a money laundering operation because there's long been questions about Uva Bull's Uh, fundraising abilities and the financial aspects of his films. Hence, it's referenced in the movie. uh, But actually, it's mostly to do with a now defunct German tax shelter that basically allowed him to recover 50 percent of the funds, uh, even if the movie tanked. So there's probably some tax abnormalities going on here. But anyway. As with most of Bull's movies, Postal was poorly reviewed by the critics. It's currently at 9% on Rotten Tomatoes and carries a Metacritic score of 22. The audience scores fare a bit better. It's 34% on Rotten Tomatoes and has an inexplicable 6.3 on Metacritic. There's truly no accounting for taste. It reminds me of a conversation I once had with a coworker. I commented on a restaurant saying, that place must be good. They're always busy. To which he replied, yeah, and the Golden Corral is always busy too. Touche, sir. Touche.
1: There is no better example of there is no accounting for taste than this movie and that
0: Metacritic score. In most of UVA Bull's movies. But anyway, very, Postal yeah. was nominated for three golden raspberries. Worst supporting actor twice, Bowl himself and Troyer as himself, and worst director for Bowl, which it did win the latter. Congratulations, you earned it, Uva. Yes, he Actually, did. You know
1: what? I say that I really, I don't feel strongly that I can watch this movie and say the directorial choices here was where I had a problem because
0: uh, it's not really. There's a, <laughs> it's the there's whole a couple. Of the writing. There's a couple, but I think the whole point is it. it he was the director. The producer it was. It was his thing. So he can't escape just the general offensiveness of the whole deal. But anyway, you can catch the 117-minute unrated director's cut of Postal streaming for free on Amazon Prime, which is what I did, three times. Thanks to this
1: pod, I have absolutely wrecked my Prime recommendations. This is what I suffer for you, the listener.
0: Thank you for listening. Same here.
1: I am dry, for I am a river to my people.
2: I mean, he he did co-write this, so he is at fault for probably many of the stupid jokes that we are forced to suffer through.
0: Yeah. yeah. So for the cast, it's kind of funny because you're going to recognize some of these people. These are all. It's hundred mostly... percent of people who should have fucking known better. Yeah.
1: What are all of these people doing here?
2: He's always attracted decent cast to his movies, which has always baffled me, but. It's probably because he's uh, spending money he doesn't actually uh, have, and whatever crooked means he's uh, making these movies. But it's like you know Ben Kingsley is in friggin' Blood Rain. God damn it, Ben
1: <laughs> Kingsley! Yeah.
2: yeah, you know that
1: poor motherfucker can't make a good movie to save his life. Like he's a legit great. He is, sir, Ben,
0: ben Kingsley. Kingsley yeah. Yeah, he's got Steven Dorf, uh, Tara Reid, um, uh, Jason Statham. I mean, now if the, uh,
2: if Trevor Slattery had been in Blood Rain, we know he has a heroin problem. That makes sense to me. But the actual yeah. Ben Kingsley does not make yeah. sense to
0: me. So leading off the cast is Zach. It's Scott, not Scott Farkas, Who knew Ward as the postal dude? That's right, the bully from the Christmas Story. Is the lead, in here's here. the postal dude. Yep. Uh, which I
1: think is funny, because, like, what was it, in last year's Far From Home, we got the kid in the Christmas tree. Yeah, you got
0: Ralphie. Yeah.
1: Ralphie looks like he's about 50 years older than this dude.
0: Yes.
2: Ralphie certainly looks older than Farkas. Farkas yeah. looks like, basically, he doesn't age.
0: Yep. Yeah. He's been hanging out with uh, Paul Rudd. Yeah, I will say this. I
1: recognized him from that TV show Titus. Yeah, like, oh, he plays the, the brother. The, yeah, the middle dumb brother from Titus. Okay, cool. He's in a yeah. bunch
2: of stuff. I mean, he's got like over 100 credits to his name. Now, yeah, he's, he's a- a- this, Which,
1: again, what the fuck is he doing here?
0: Well, fun fact, he actually auditioned for one of the cops. Uh, one of the is roles it a the fun cops.
1: fact? Is it fun? I it's don't know fun. about anything in this it's thing. fun.
0: <laughs> fun. But... Oddly enough, he looks a lot like the postal dude from the video games, kind of slender, sharp features, red hair. That's literally the character from the game is a redheaded dude that they kind of look like. It's kind of weird.
1: Everything I need to know about the effort put into casting
0: this fucking well, thing. They're like, and the funny, oh, the funny thing is for the cop, oh, he yeah. looked like
1: a video game guy, though. So he's, right. Because that was total
0: coincidence. Now. That's total coincidence. You just show up to, to audition as the cop and like somebody looked at the game box and said, holy shit, do you see this? Hey, hey, look look at the guy on the box. Yeah. Anyway. You can
1: hire this guy, which I mean, to be fair, he does fine.
0: Yeah. He's one of the better parts of the movie. I guess. uh, I would say. But anyway, uh, we've also got Dave Full Frontal Foley is the dude's uncle, Dave. What did they do that they
1: kept his name? Like, was that the postal dude's uncle's name in the game? Because.
0: That uh, I don't know.
1: I can only think it was a writer in Dave Foley's contract. was like, look, I'm not going to work hard at this. So my name's
0: Dave. My character is going to be Dave. Just just We're call me Dave. On. Yeah. Chris, not Nick's brother Coppola, is Uncle Dave's number two, Richard. <laughs> He's all, we've also got Jackie Melrose from Glow Tawn as the improbably hot barista Faith. Which is a great show. What the fuck is she doing here? Eh, yep. is she much good much on that or glow it's fine yeah she's very good Everyone's she's good, good in this that. too she's she's probably the stronger of the actor or actresses in the movie yeah right she actually emotes yeah.
1: <laughs> um <clears throat> oh what a what a low bar
0: yeah uh you got Vern mini me Troyers himself rip little buddy uh yeah. Larry no soup for you Thomas is Osama bin Laden that's right folks the soup Nazi plays Osama bin Laden and uh, this was shot
1: back when Bin Laden was alive, so that was like a a risque thing, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's a
2: weird yeah, one. That was the risque element of what they did with the uh, uh, Taliban at this point. Oh,
1: oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, listen, I'm not saying that's <laughs> the only risque thing they did, but it's very different to have a public enemy number one still at large and you're having the fucking suit Nazi from Seinfeld play him.
0: Yeah, and it's... Yeah, a weird a aspect been in the ground. It's a weird aspect of the film for sure, but it does come from the game. Uh the Taliban does play a role in postal too, so that's again straight oh. from the source material. Yeah. Uh you've got Michael, Bob from Reboot Binyar as Osama's number two, Muhammad. Jody Stewart as the bitch, the postal dude's obese wife.
1: <laughs> if you wanted to have any indication of how misogynist this film is,
0: that's a pretty good starter. Yeah, and again, that's straight from the game. Uh, his nagging yeah. wife is a plot point, and she is referred to as just the bitch. Does not get a name. Yeah. Only, and then, only
2: the finest people worked on this, I can see.
0: Clearly. And in addition to some of the stars that should have known better, we get some cameos from veteran actors that should have also known better. David, the big Lebowski Huddleston, is half of the creepy old man duo, Peter. Which, what purpose did they serve? They were basically Grosser, Statler, and
1: Waldorf. It's just two old men commenting on what's happening.
0: Yeah, they're like the dirty joke version of those Muppets.
1: But somehow less believable as
0: humans. Yes, that is also fair. And we get Eric. I was in the 13th Warrior, Avari, as the shop owner, Habib. Which, god damn it, you, you got a middle eastern
1: shop owner and you fucking named him habib like i get this was 2007 but jesus christ pick literally like like that's not even a half step above calling him a poo and the worst
0: and when the worst part is he's actually like a legit character actor and he's he's good in the role but it's a racist stereotype nonetheless yeah and perhaps most perplexing, goddamn J.K. Simmons as a street-preaching political candidate from the fuck-you party, Candidate Wells. What, what the, the fuck?
1: Of his power. J.K. Simmons at the height of his power. This was right when Spider-Man 2 hit. This was right when Portal 2 hit. This was right when Juno hit. What the fuck
0: is he doing in this movie? He doesn't need the money. What? J.K. Buddy. Buddy. Well, I can tell you several of the actors were actually advised by their agents not to be in this movie. And they showed up and signed without, like, representation. Like, so, th- they wanted to be part of this for some reason. I'll get was to pre- it later. a writer strike, right? So, yeah, I, I, people wanted to be in this movie for some reason. Uh, but I, I have some theories on that. why?
2: Inexplicable.
0: Yeah. And on a fun casting note, Lindsay Hollister... The transcriber from the interview scene is a fellow Miami University alumni. So, for those keeping score at home, that makes two movies in a row with a Red Hawk in the cast. Love and honor.
2: Uh, let me just point out that uh, if you were a big fan of her performance in this movie, then you can watch her in UA Bowl's Blubberella. Also available. Oh no!
0: Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. was a thing,
2: and I so feel like she, I wish I didn't know
1: it was a thing. Still, she regrets that
0: me? role to a certain degree, apparently. Um, but she was actually really? initially
1: she regrets Blubberella.
0: Who yeah. would have thought? She was initially cast for the role of the bitch, but then when they were filming in Canada, uh, they came across. Jodie stewart and said oh no, no she's w- way bigger so that's gonna be funnier so they gave the role of the bitch to jody stewart and oh. Hollister took over as the transcriber that sucks on multiple levels yeah it's uh it's, it's kind of weird and awful so let's move on to one-liners yeah. um imdb describes this movie as follows in the ironically named City of Paradise, a loser teams up with this cult-leading uncle to steal a peculiar bounty of riches from their local amusement park. The recently arrived Taliban have a similar focus, but a far more sinister intent. Mr. Wizard, how would you describe this movie in one sentence?
2: Uh, postal is the moment you realize that Scott Farkas would have been better off had Ralphie just killed him in the alleyway after school.
0: <laughs> Dark, but I like it. Oh. Okay, and for so you, bad. Captain I Cash. That
1: actor. This is Uva Boll presents Hitler in Springtime. A little producer's joke for you there. There's no way he intended to make money on this. Yeah. He, he's definitely making some sort of Nazi gold on the back end.
0: Oof. Okay, so here's mine. Postal is Uwe Boll's ham-fisted attempt at social and political satire, and is only successful in its attempts to be offensive and serving as a sophomore middle finger to his critics. Yep. It's a little highbrow, but I think it fits.
1: It's You're not wrong. You know, it did seem I, like this just, it,
2: was his like his manifesto of, like, I'm a terrible director. Look at all the terrible directing decisions I can make. But he then went on to direct like 10 other movies. Like nothing can stop this guy. Well, I
0: think, and we'll get to this in depth later, maybe just right now. sure did. Yeah, that changed his financing model significantly. But I think he gives us a monologue in the middle of the movie, basically, where he kind of does lay out a manifesto of, of sorts. And if you read between the lines and understand the background and the history of his relationship with critics and the film industry in general, he basically said, hey... You guys have made fun of the movies I tried to make good and said those were bad. So here, I'm going to give you a really bad movie. Now what do you think? That's literally what this movie is. He was like, hey, if you thought my old stuff was bad, check this out. Suck on this, nerds. And yeah. If this had been the turning point for him, if
1: this is where he'd have said, you know what? I am a terrific schlockmeister that produces shit. Let me just go hog wild with it. That would have been the moment he actually turned into a hero. That was his his moment in the dark. You are what you do. Okay, fuck it. This is just who I am. But instead, he goes on to have all these highfalutin ideals about, oh, I'm such a lovely director. It's like, dude, you're making a bunch of shitty movies. It's fine. Just own it.
0: He's probably made six or seven decent movies. To be fair. He's got a couple that were German productions that did relatively well and were reviewed well by critics. They weren't big movies, but they were decent films. And his series of Rampage movies, which are not some,
1: related to games, not
0: the related to video that? game. They're basically like, uh, what are the Stuff is Fallen movies?
2: White House Down. White, White, White House uh, downs, yeah.
0: they're all in that kind of theme of like quasi political shoot 'em uppers. Those apparently do well, and there's like four of them. So he's got like six or seven movies that are like decent, but the problem is the rest of his schlock and most of it is pretty horrible. But anyway,
2: and they're starring so, uh Scott Farkas's brother from Freddy versus Jason. They're not actual brothers, but they're brothers in Freddy vs. Jason, yeah. Moving on to
0: the plot, because let's get through this, and I'm just going to apologize right now. I, I kind of went overboard on the plot again, but I think it's worth it just to capture all the nutty insanity in this movie. And then once you hear us talk about it, listener, you don't have to watch it, and I wouldn't, Congratulations. I wouldn't bother with it. It's not worth seeing. There's, there's no joke or gag. You're like, oh, I'm glad I saw that. Check it off my bucket list. Yeah. So, nah, just, just we'll tell you about the movie. You're aware of it. That's good enough. This isn't we like, saw it, uh, so you don't have to.
2: Yeah, this isn't like Congo or Super Mario Brothers, where you want to like kind of watch them for their dated sensibilities or how badly they screwed up interpreting a beloved book or video game. There's nothing redeeming here. Well, uh, yeah, aside from as the song at the job, which culturally I culturally
0: significant. Really no, enjoyed. I, <laughs> again, the Mario Brothers movie is so goddamn weird; it's worth seeing yeah there's nothing here that isn't. stands out like that Yeah, it's which like, is what like I you meant. said captain cash it's basically a 13 year olds manifesto on bathroom humor
1: yeah and that's what i meant at the top of this pod where i'm talking about like i can't call this the shit movie because it champion of the world because it just it doesn't try hard enough to be champion of anything but let's let's jump right in it opens on an snl skit how does it go
0: yeah, so the movie opens with a distasteful 9-11 gag. The less said about it, the better. It's the lowest brow, no, no, no. Low brow humor.
1: What happens? Just tell us.
0: Oh, okay. So we start the movie with two hijackers in the cockpit of a commercial airliner discussing how many virgins they're going to get after they you know, commit this uh, terrorist act. And they're confused because one had been told one number and the other had been told a different number, and they're concerned they've been lied to. So they call the big guy. They call up Osama bin Laden to get Uh the 411 on the virgin count. And then they find out that virgins are in low supply and they're not going to get as many as they thought. And they're worried that "Eh, we might run out of virgins. What if it's not really worth it? So, hey, let's divert the plane to the Bahamas. And as soon as they make the decision to call off the, the World Trade Center attacks and take the planes to the Bahamas and land, the passengers bust through the cockpit door, grab the controls of the plane, The terrorists are pleading with him to stop because they've changed their minds, but it's too late, and the plane crashes into the World Trade Center. You don't know that
1: it's the World Trade Center until that last shot when it is the World Trade Center and the Aristocats.
0: It's 2007, and they're on the phone with Osama bin Laden. We all know exactly where that plane's going.
1: Yeah. So, again,
0: six years after 9-11... Yikes. filmed five years after, but the point being is I will give it some credit here. I won't get into it philosophically cause it's not worth it, but there is something to be said about a non-American's perspective on nine 11 after several years of distance. There's something to be said there. Uva Bull is giving us something that we don't get internally cause we don't see it from the outside. I'm not sure it has a lot of value, but it's interesting. And I think that makes it easy for him to make that joke as well. He's like, look, I can make a joke about this. I mean, my my thing on this is,
1: outside of introducing Osama Bin Laden, there's, there's no other reason that this is here other than to set up, hey, this is the kind of movie this is about to be. Y-
0: yes, this is not from the game. This is just Uva Bull saying, like, look how gross I can be. And again, as a German, he's like, hey, if I can make fun of Hitler, I can make fun of this. Yeah. See, and but Americans were still too sensitive. Like, that's something like "Mm, it's radioactive. But he's like, hey, time's passed. We can make a joke about this now. Still not great taste, but he he does it. and It's not the most offensive thing in the movie. Close, but not the most. It's getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. So we flash forward five years for reasons. And we are then introduced to the postal dude and everyman loser recently laid off from his factory job. The postal dude lives in Paradise, Arizona, in a trailer park with his morbidly obese and unfaithful wife, known only as the bitch. The postal dude. It's called
1: Paradise, but it's the opposite of Paradise because it's actually terrible. Get it, you guys?
0: That's funny. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact it's actually a real life ghost town in Arizona. There is a Paradise, Arizona. It's a ghost town. The postal dude heads out to a job interview which is perhaps the most conventionally comedic scene in the movie before stopping for coffee on his way to visit his religious cult-leading uncle. <clears throat> uncle Dave is the messiah of his own hippy-dippy doomsday cult and clearly a con man. Yeah, thanks for joining the team, Dave Foley. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't you have better shit to do? Yeah, kids in the hall, man. Kids in the hall. We get a full frontal shot of Dave Foley's cock 14 minutes into the movie.
1: It's not just like a, a quick... Ah, Dude. saw a penis. It is a lingering, like, here is Dave Foley dick out for the camera for a good he, four to five seconds.
0: He's got a silk bathrobe on. He saunters out of a bed full of mostly naked women to walk over to his bathroom, which is just separate, separated from the bedroom by a partition. He sits sheet, down yes. and, and takes a dump in front like, of his number to talk two. I
1: about the sound design
0: in this movie
1: because— when he rubs his crotch there's this like oily sound that happens and yeah, as it's... he's sitting on the toilet. You can hear the punk
2: punk punk punk. Well, this was nominated for uh, best sound effects, best sound mixing I think, so Yeah.
0: Listen, this is no <laughs> ghost in if the you, darkness. If the Academy Awards at the Golden Raspberries.
2: It was uh the Razzies. Highly yeah, um. credited for its ability to uh convince you Dave Foley was taking a shit while filming. So,
1: And, like, the, the most annoying part of that scene is his second Richard, who turns out to be a dick, guys, <laughs> is, like, doing this pantomime, like, oh, it smells so bad, like, oh, oh, he's, like, practically choking. I'm like, I get it. Poop smells.
2: Well, Richard is the one, like, person who has a lot of airtime where you're like, yep, no, I totally understand why you're in this movie.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's a Coppola, though, so...
0: Not not those Coppolas.
1: Not the California
0: Coppolas. No, Nick Cage does have a brother, Chris. That's not him.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So Dave is uh, facing financial problems as well. His cult operation owes the IRS... $1,300,000.79 in back taxes. Quick aside, this clearly shows that Bull is not familiar with U.S. tax law. Uh, a properly registered church does not pay taxes. So Let's Uncle Dave just needs a better accountant.
1: I thought that, too. In In the moment when they are like, we owe money. I'm like, you're a church. How's that possible? And then I remembered, NTKM. Not that yeah. kind of movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, and we get some uh, scene introducing a weird B plot about two cops. Uh, that's an not even the b
1: plot. That's the C plot. The B I plot mean, is everything with the Taliban.
0: Well, I guess, but that—that's kind of the A plot, though. I...
1: No, nah, A A plot is what happens with postal dude. Yeah. B plot is the Taliban. C plot is the fucking awful.
0: Cops. But but the the Taliban's basically the. Key antagonist, so they're part of the A plot. Unless you want to count Uh, Osama bin Laden's going on as like professional betterment excursion to get training and stuff. I mean, there's there's some stuff there, but no, the cops are clearly a B plot because you get a lot of time dealing with them and their weird dynamic. You've got a angry African American gentleman and a German immigrant, uh, Ralph Mueller. Yeah,
1: Ralph Mueller, The, the like the jack dude from gladiator
0: he's like, a gladiator, gladiator yeah. and they're,
1: they're they're having the the fight scene you're like holy shit who's the giant german dude it's that guy
0: it's him and sven olsen are the two the two big bads right yeah in a couple of the fights but yeah uh, yeah so you get that weird beat plot with the cops that i think is supposed to serve as a statement on policing in the u.s I'm not really sure. It's mainly just offensive for the sake of being offensive. And it involves one of the cops using a disabled man as a source of income, which I, that one I'm like, okay, Uwe, yeah, you could have cut gross. that. You could have cut the cops in general, probably would have helped the movie, but uh, moving on Dave asked the postal dude for help with a get rich quick scheme, which involves stealing a truckload of 2000 valuable crotchy dolls that could be sold on the secondary market for up to $8 million. Quick aside here, a crotchy doll is a cock, a stuffed plushie of a cock and balls.
1: But it's supposed to be this, like, in-universe, much-beloved children's character vo- right. voiced by
0: Vern Troyer in-universe. Also from just, the game. From the game. The crotchy dolls is from the game. That's a that's thing in the fu- game. Like, which is fine.
1: Yeah. I just, they're so lazily constructed that it— you know, it would be funny, a plush cock and ball that Dicks. we pretend is a, is a, are funny. Is a, a children's thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, so ah. apparently the, so apparently, it's like a Tickle Me Elmo deal. They're in short supply, so they're valuable in the secondary market. Yep. And just to add some more details to the plot, the shipment of crotchy dolls, it's like the last one in the U.S., and it's going to this amusement park in Arizona, For this big event, it'll come up later. I'll get to it. Uh, The postal dude initially turns down Dave's offer due to bad luck with prior schemes and uh, heads to the welfare office to pick up his check. A shootout occurs at the welfare office for reasons, and he fails to get his check. He returns to his trailer to find his wife cheating on him with a neighbor who's also holding a penis pump. This is just hard to get through, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, The postal dude decides it's time to leave his wife and town for a fresh start and decides he'll participate in Uncle Dave's heist after all. At some point, a suicide bomber kills J.K. Simmons, and we learn there's an Al-Qaeda sleeper cell operating in the back room of a local convenience shop. This terrorist cell is headed up by none other than Osama bin Laden.
1: I will say, the terrorist cell having, like, a pool table and, like, you know— a rap song and all this I'm Like, eh, you know Fairly progressive way to depict those people as, you know Other humans
0: I'm gonna give Uva Boll Some undeserved credit here Because I have no idea what he was thinking But I agree with you to a certain degree He's like, look, they're not just scary monsters They're just people On the other side of an ideological war
2: They're yeah, still human I think
0: the
1: idea is They're hypocrites, certainly but, you know, I,
0: I think that's part of it, too. Uh, no, yeah, there's still people, but there, there's a, there is a religious element to this movie, or at least a statement on religion in this movie, and we'll get there. It comes up later. The terrorists are also interested in stealing the Crotchy dolls. Uh, the two parties both plan to steal the dolls from an upcoming event being held at the Little Germany Amusement Park during an event featuring the voice actor of Crotchy, Vern Troyer. Uncle Dave, the Postal Dude, and a team of bikini-clad cultists, all dressed in Nazi cosplay, infiltrate the event. They arrive at the dolls first, but the terrorists arrive just as they are loading the dolls into their truck. I have a question here.
1: Is the whole German theme park thing supposed to be a comment on Disney having Nazi sympathies, or this is just, it doesn't matter?
0: No, I don't think it's a jab at Disney so much it is a jab at, like, a Germany that shies away from its Nazi history. I think it's more of a thing for Uwe Boll saying, like, hey, look, if I was going to have a German theme park in this offensive movie, we wouldn't ignore our Nazi history. We're going to reference it because it's just part of our history. Like, why would we shy away from that? What's wrong with having Dr. Mengel's first aid station? You know, that's, that's <laughs> funny, right? He just you know said, what you, I can- d- you
1: know what I did wrong? What I did wrong was to think that there was more to
0: this movie than was immediately on the surface. That's my bad. That's on me.
1: Not that kind of movie. I get it.
0: Just like I said, he's like, hey, if I can make fun of Nazi Germany, I can make fun of 9-11. He's like, hey, if I'm going to have a German-themed amusement park, I'm not going to ignore my Nazi history. I'm going to put that in there. I'm going to pay Vern Troyer with uh, gold teeth from Holocaust survivors, victims, whatever. Yeah. No, I I think it's just – it's just being offensive to be offensive. Um, yeah. yeah. No, now, if fair. they had if they had a giant Hitler mouse walking around, then it would have been a Disney thing. Okay. There's nothing subtle about this movie.
1: Yeah, that's fair. They would have uh, needed the Hitler mouse at least. I do. I do want to comment very briefly that the the Nazi cosplay that they have the what six what I assume are strippers the women with the double D boobs that are all part of somehow of Uncle Dave's cult. Is literally just a Hitler stash and armband and olive colored like tube top and hot pants. Like, yeah, and it works. Yeah, enough. they have sex with the guards of the crotchy dolls. It and seduces that's all that's the guards. To- yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the kind of movie we're in.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, as I was saying, they arrive at the dolls first, but the terrorists arrive just as they're loading the dolls into their truck. Uwe Boll appears as himself at the crotchy event. Pays Vern Troyer, and the aforementioned Gold Teeth from Holocaust Victims, which is in terrible taste. And he also makes the comment that lots of people ask how I fund my movies. A lot of people say it's Nazi gold, and I want them to know that it's true. Like He's basically, again, this is a big middle finger in the middle of a movie. He basically breaks the fourth wall and just says, yeah, you're right. My critics, you're all right. I'm a horrible person. I fund my movies with Nazi gold, and children make me horny. Yep. That's a uh thing that happens but that's i i feel like
1: the next part is the most fourth wall breakingest part which is what
0: well would you be referring to when the crotchy mascot removes his mask and it's actually postal's uh creator vince Desiderio, and uh he gets into a fight with uva bull for making a crappy movie about his video game
1: that's it there it is this is the part yeah. in the movie where it the movie just goes Look, we know you didn't come here because you were interested in a movie.
0: Here's just some crazy bullshit. And I'd like to point out the exasperated expression on the thunderous wizard's face right now. Yeah, this is painful. We're almost done. Um, So the fight with the crotchy doll results in a massive gunfight. Uh, Many children are killed. Bull is shot in the dick. And Troyer ends up inside of a suitcase, his suitcase with a light-up dildo. Uh, the postal dude reunites with the hot barista from the coffee shop earlier, and excuses his crew
1: working at the theme park at the coffee stand. Why is she there? Don't don't think about that too much.
0: Plot required and, it.
1: And when Vern Troyer is in the fucking suitcase, he literally says the words. What? I'm mean, I'm in i I'm in a suitcase now. Like. All of Vern Troyer's lines in this fucking movie are just literally what is happening to him at that exact moment.
0: Based on what I know of the production of this movie, I believe that's probably because Uva Bull was writing the script ten minutes before they started filming.
2: So I, I, I'm convinced
0: Vern Troyer got a script that just said, you know, say whatever's be, happening. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he reunites with the hot barista. Uh, and escapes with the crew and the dolls with the cops in hot pursuit. The postal dude hits a woman from the welfare office, and her corpse distracts the cops. Again, why are the cops even a thing? I don't know. They return Again, to the cult compound.
1: Kind of misogynistic.
0: I yeah, he's her, like,
1: yeah, he's like yeah, he's like a lady
0: who was mildly inconvenienced me previously. I guess, yeah, it's worth pointing out. She did the old cliche DMV thing where he got up to the front of the line. She goes, oh, I'm on break or we're closed or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, he hits her. It's kind of in spectacular CGI fashion. She's flipped out into the road, slams into the cop car, and they stop because they thought they had a flat tire. But no, it's just a corpse. Um, uh, (laughs) Every woman
2: in this movie, aside from Barista, is a a sex object or someone to be violently murdered.
0: Yes. Pretty pretty much, yeah. God damn. They return to the cult compound, only to find it overrun with terrorists. Meanwhile, the cops announce to the public they're looking for the postal dude in connection with multiple murders, including one they committed themselves. And the townspeople form a posse to find him. The postal dude stashes the truck offsite to keep it hidden from the terrorist and returns to the cult compound for a scene specifically crafted to use the cat silencer mechanic from the game. If you didn't know, if you find a stray cat in the game Postal 2, you can jam it onto your firearm. You get eight shots with the cat functioning as a silencer. And on the ninth shot, the cat is ejected violently into the moon.
1: So How much did that cost?
0: How I will much tell you. did the cat
1: the, silencer cost?
0: The animatronic cat prop cost $45,000 and appears on screen for approximately two seconds.
1: There is no... Fucking way! This isn't some sort of bullshit way to launder money. Based on that alone,
0: I'm assuming
1: the silencer for a thousand dollars right now. Where did those other forty-four fucking thousand dollars go?
0: I'm assuming Uva Bull's animatronic guy is either named Uva Bolye or his (laughs) brother-in-law, one or the other. Anyway, the the animatronic cat guy is Bull Uve. Uh, the postal dude uncle dave the ladies troyer and richard dave's aforementioned number two sneak into a secret bunker under the cult compound richard reveals his master plan the crotchy dolls have vials of bird flu shoved up their asses and he plans to use them to bring on the end of days as the cult's prophecy calls for we learn the terrorists also know about the bird flu and the dolls but only plan on attacking america Troyer is ritually sacrificed to a thousand rapey monkeys to fill another prophecy or the same one it doesn't matter.
1: Uh, I feel like you're glossing over that very specifically it says that he will be raped by a thousand monkeys. They take time. They present yeah. us with an image of a great number of chimpanzees and Vern Troyer being violated by at least one of them.
0: And again, I think this is definitely a, a glaring example of Uva Boll just saying, look, look how fucking shitty I can make this.
1: You thought Which, that was
0: bad. You thought Nazi gold and Holocaust uh, victims teeth was bad. Now I've got monkey rape of little people. Booyah. Now,
1: I like I don't know what this says about me as a person, but this part and the part that immediately follows it. Were the only parts where I went, okay, you've kind of shot the moon. This is kind of funny now.
0: I thought the monkey rate thing was just kind of sophomore like it was
1: so over the top and ridiculous. I was like, okay,
0: okay, fine. It, it, it was it was like almost like R rated Austin Powers. I'll give you that. Yes. Um, but no, the next part I do agree with you was funny, and that is that Richard shares a romantic embrace with Dave before killing him. Dave declares himself gay briefly before discovering he's actually bisexual in his dying moments.
1: Yes, because he grabs the boob of one of the women he says, I guess I'm bi. And that was literally the only laugh this film got at
0: him. It was dumb, but it was funny. It
1: was was good.
0: I I enjoyed it. I'm going to chalk that up to Dave Foley's delivery. That's definitely a good part of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dave Foley didn't come up with that on his own because yeah, that's almost fair. too clever to be Uva Bowls. But anyway. <laughs> Dave I, Foley just like got saying, a I just like writing credit. I'm just going to say, I like saying Uva Bowl now. That's just fun. Um, you just like that it's Uva it as opposed to you that you thought the whole time? I, th- I thought it was you, yeah. It just rolls off the tongue. Uh, Yeah. so Richard locks up the postal dude uh, before leaving to find the dolls but the postal dude quickly frees himself once freed he stops all but one of the bikini clad cultists from committing ritual suicide via poison brownie and he and surviving cultists shoot their way out of the compound the postal dude makes his way back to the truck with the dolls where he reunites with Faith the hot barista following a brief shootout with the local citizens but not before having
1: sex with the hot Cultist yeah. members,
0: two of them. Yeah. Uh,
2: Jesus. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's just it's just male fantasies. It's just awkward. And he, and he and I guess again, there are several. You know, I shouldn't have skipped over that because it's got one of the actually one of the better jokes in the movie too. The postal dude tells the the two chicks uh, to, "Hey, have you learned your lesson about joining stupid cults?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll never do or stupid doomsday cults. Oh yeah, yeah. we'll never do that again. We're going to be Christians." It's like (laughs) whatever you know like okay yeah teach their own yeah and there's also there's also a joke in there too in the bunker before Richard kills Dave about religious fanatics and something like that I think maybe even Vern Troy goes like yeah what's the difference between you guys down here in the bunker and the guys upstairs you both want to do the same thing because you think you're right so again another outside perspective like who's really worse those terrorists or the Christian fundamentalists that are doomsday you know End of days, folks. Anyway.
1: I, I like, I, we'll talk about that when we do more yeah, broad, uh, like, impression I, stuff. I, I, I
0: probably should. messages are all over the goddamn place. Yeah. But they, they hit that one at least two or three times, trying to draw parallels there. And basically, say. and it comes up in the end, so I'll, I'll bring it up again there.
2: They're Uwe, they're Uwe Bulls messages. That's why Uwe. they're all over the goddamn Uwe. place.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. The dude is, yeah, he reunites with Faith the Hot Barista after the reunion, they return to the trailer park only to find the bitch having sex with the B-plot cops. Richard, the terrorists, and the townspeople all converge on the trailer park, and a massive shootout ensues. The postal dude diffuses the situation by delivering an impassioned speech about the power of love and the destructive futility of violence in the name of a higher power. The ceasefire doesn't last, and the shooting resumes. The postal dude in face- immediately.
1: As a punchline and it's yeah. like, Ugh.
0: yeah, humans are by their nature destructive. The postal dude and faith kill everyone except for Osama bin Laden and escape in a cop car. Osama finds his way to a payphone and calls his good buddy George W. Bush for a chopper extraction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I forgot to mention in this movie. 9-11 was an inside job. There's another suicide bombing gag. The postal dude, Faith, and his dog, Champ, peacefully ride away from the trailer park, only to find out via radio that President Bush has ordered a nuclear strike against China and Pakistan, who have both been blamed for the sleeper cell in paradise.
1: Finish it off. How's it end? How's it end? What happens? Just kill this.
0: After hearing the news, postal dude... Detonates a bomb, which destroys his trailer, killing his wife and the cops, and destroying the truck full of bird flu carrying crotchy dolls. Delivering the one-liner, no regrets. The movie closes with Bush and Bin Laden holding hands and skipping through a field as mushroom clouds erupt along the horizon, with a ripoff of the enormous Hawaiian guy's version of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" playing in the background.
1: It faded to is, black. It is so obviously not. Brother, is is. Yeah, somewhere it's, over it, the rainbow. It's so bad. It's painful. You,
2: um You failed to mention that the wife and the policeman die because they can't get out of the trailer because she gets stuck in the door.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and he even asks, how do you normally get out of here? He's like, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a gratuitous sex scene with the two cops tag teaming the bitch. And the uh, the African American cops on the bottom, and he pleads with the German guy, Hurry up, like, F- finish this up.
2: It's uh, <laughs> that gag. I guess it's, uh, you've been referring to it as the B plot, really the C plot. It's like, okay, okay this joke enough. was never funny. Can we please stop showing this woman have sex with people?
0: I- I'm not sure this movie I'm is deep enough to have a C plot. That... I-, I think I'm going to stand by my B plot. There's no need for the sex scenes, though.
2: At all. No, that's a B plot. He walks in on her three times?
0: Well, so, like, it,
1: okay, I don't I, agree that you, you can't you got, have sex scenes with her, but you, you the you joke cut, has not to about, be something other than
2: she's no, fat. It's not about who it's with. It's just about that like, they're needless.
0: All right. I need a stiff drink and a moment to recover after all of that. So with that said, let's take a break before returning for our general impressions. I'll see you folks on the flip side. Welcome back, folks, to this 68th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. This is your host, Chumpzilla. I'm joined by the Thunderous Wizard Dude and the Captain Cash Dude. Well, hey. we've covered the plot of this uh, film, and I'm now on my the plot. second can. Air quotes. <laughs> yeah, plot. And I'm now on my second can of Steel Reserve.
1: Yep, let's do this.
0: And now it's time for our general impressions of... Postal gentlemen, we've touched on a few of the elements of this film so far, but what else do you have to say about it?
2: Well, it's pretty clear we all thought it was terrible. Uh, I do think there's some funny moments, uh but it's typical bowl uh i you know I wouldn't wish his movies on my worst enemy, and this is like just the most flagrantly offensive of them because it's really not even a real movie. It's a series of like. Off-color gags, and obscene violence and uh, misogyny. I I don't know. I guess that's yeah. the game. But I, why would like you know you like Grand Theft Auto? Say what you will about it, right. Like there's a story in Grand Theft Auto. So yeah, the players do obscene things in it, but there's still a story to it. This movie is just celebrating whatever the game celebrates, which apparently is just anarchy and nonsense
0: wanton violence
2: yeah i
1: agree that you can do this kind of thing and be subversive but generally when you do that you need to have some kind of message or at bare minimum you need to be very funny or creative with it and this movie ain't that like this movie is constantly at odds with itself about a lot of different things like it, on the one hand it's ve- it's weirdly patriotic particularly in the sense of america it's weirdly patriotic of you know, we're a land of freedom and guns and the whole reason that the postal dude can do this thing is because he has those freedom and guns and big tits Ooh. and all that yeah. but at the same time it's also very anti-organized religion Where it it comes out very broadly against literally any kind of organized religion, whether it's the Catholic Church, as we had mentioned in the one gag, or, you know, jihadists or the whatever doomsday cult that Uncle Dave invents. So, like, it just kind of, it bounces all around. It's it's anti-establishment without providing any kind of, like, there's no thesis as to, it's nihilistic and it's not funny and it's not clever enough to warrant being
0: as German
1: as it chooses to be. I
0: guess it's it's German and Germans admitted nihilism. No, I I think what you're failing to recognize here is there are a couple of intelligent points that Uwe Boll makes here. One is this critique of organized religion and fanaticism. There is a legitimate criticism there in the movie. I'm not saying it's high art, but he throws some bombs there that are legit. Um, Also, I think it's an interesting take on American culture because you're getting it from somebody that's not American. You're right. This is very much an America movie, but I don't think it's a rah, rah, rah movie. He pokes fun at American culture a little bit. He throws some bombs at it. He throws some bombs at our hero worship, um, Mm. which is part of the 9-11 gag. He also kind of throws a bomb at some of our uh, naive political beliefs that we think there's a huge difference between George W. Bush and Osama bin Laden. Uh, you know, so Fahrenheit 9-11 aside, it's just kind of like, you know, hey, two sides of the same coin, but you can't see that unless you're from the outside. And, uh, you know, I think there's also, a, uh, you know, a decent barb, as the Thunderous Wizard pointed out. And probably the funniest scene in the movie, in the traditional sense, is the whole bash on corporate culture.
1: Yeah. Which, capital.
0: again... It's an American corporate culture. Yeah, it's, things are different in Europe. They have big companies in Europe, and Germany, but they don't operate quite the same ways they do here in the U.S. We're not—they're not wage slaves to the same extent that we are.
2: Yeah. So it, it's—it comes down to like one thing, right? Like it, you can have big ideas, but it's the messenger more than than most of the message. Like certainly, there's the ideas here that are, you know, especially with the fanaticism stuff that are worth discussing it's the problem it's the guy who's trying to lead the discussion it's totally just, fair you know. totally fair well I mean, and I think that's the I, well, point he's
0: making he's like look I can make a movie with these big ideas but I'm going to make it as offensive as possible because you guys think I'm a shit movie director so there you go it, yeah, it's a really weird dynamic it's how, it's how the message is delivered
1: you can do all of those things you can even do like a chimp rape scene and it can still be kind of funny but it, it just – it's, it's so without <laughs> – yeah. like, it, I, it's just it without just was, cleverness. Like, the entire joke of the chimp rape scene is, isn't it funny that monkeys are going to have sex with this person against their will?
0: I, that's I, it. I, I, well, OK. I'll give that joke credit for one thing and one thing only. It's a statement about the absurdity of doomsday yeah. religious City.
1: It's, it's just funny like, because
0: it's if you, audacious as shit. If, if you believe any of this bullshit, then you might as well believe that. I, yeah, I get, uh, I, get that's it. Exactly I get it. I Exactly
2: what he's saying. Like, oh, but it. it's in the book.
0: It's in the book. Yeah. Um, so the thing I think about this movie, would have been a lot better if Uva Bull had a collaborator that he'd listen to, because if you cut the cops plot out of this, the cops did not have to be characters. You could have had police officers in pursuit and they could have been an element in the film. But I don't think we needed to understand the relationship between those two cops. I don't think them taking advantage of that handicapped guy, that that was just gross and weird and did need to be in the movie.
2: The handicapped guy who later gets shot in the chest in his wheelchair during and just the, keeps uh, spinning the
0: circles. Yeah. little
2: Germany shootout. <laughs>
0: Also, I guess the two old dudes, you know, the Muppets from the peanut gallery, they didn't need to be in there either because all they do is give dirty jokes that don't really matter. That, that just screen and tower. aren't
1: funny. And um, aren't funny. That's the worst thing.
2: Yeah. As you're saying this, like it, I see your next question is the most offensive joke or scene. And for me, it was the cops because, yeah, there, there's certainly things to be said about police violence. But him going up to a car driven by an old Asian woman, making a bunch of racist jokes, and then shooting her with a shotgun. Because like, he thinks she called him the N-word. Yeah, even though he So knows, he's racist, yeah. but she's, oh,
0: I think she said something racist and blows her up. Although, yeah. I guess that's a, but if you're from not from America, too, that's also a statement on reactionary policing.
2: Like yeah. That's that's no, what cops I, in America I get do. what he's doing, but it's like, yeah. come on. No, it, it sucked. But... The cops are useless characters. You're you're totally yeah. right. And that goes yeah. to my point about like, you know, like it's not about the sex scene being with the the wife. It's the fact that these, like these characters are, are still in the movie for no reason. Yeah. They, they serve no purpose. Other than like, ha ha, isn't this funny that you get to see another sex scene? It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry. So Cash,
0: <laughs> what was your most offensive scene or joke? Uh, you know, the entire
1: thing is fucking terrible, but Fair. as far as most defensive, like I, I jump between two, and it's one. I think I'm I I'm gonna take from you, which is the he where you bold the director pays Vern Troyer in gold teeth as a reference to how he's you know finances movies through Nazi gold, the gold teeth obviously being teeth taken from Holocaust victims probably is the most in poor taste joke and then immediately murdering a bunch of children in a way like I guess it's done in a way where it's so cartoonish it's not terribly funny but at one point And we glossed over this. The Postal dude literally runs over a
0: baby. Oh, yeah. And it plays
1: a squish sound
0: on the audio. Speed style. I'm sorry. Speed style. This time it wasn't cans. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and it's a throwaway gag meant to be funny. And it's like.
0: No. See, I think that's where you're wrong. That was not meant to be funny. It's like, look, I'm going to kill a baby. I killed a baby. There's, that's not a joke that's a that's nihilism
2: this is literally I mean, that's, just like you know setting the rules on fire though the it's like, hey remember
0: and, in speed that's literally hey remember in speed when they were gonna kill a baby and everyone panics oh but it was just cans i'm gonna kill a baby i don't, I don't flinch yeah the germans I mean, don't flinch and I mean, that's I, the no. thing like if if
1: any of that was in service to a greater narrative. Or if it was done in a way that was particularly funny or clever, it wouldn't bug me. But none of this is. It just it's it's not funny. It's not different. It's just it's a middle schooler it's, pooping in his hand and smearing it on the chalkboard and going,
2: "Ha ha." Well, yeah, it's it's not a real movie. It's sure. a. It's an angry guy's. Uh, vanity project about how obscene he can be to piss people off yes yes it's a giant troll job it's an hour and 40 minutes of him trolling movie critics like hey you're gonna fucking hate this but guess what you have to watch it because someone's gonna pay you to write a review about it i have just wasted however long of your life you know smell a fart (laughs) kick rocks assholes (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll I'll refer to what you alluded to there, Captain Cash, or that'll be my answer. Is what I'm saying is that, yeah, Uva Bull's whole scene at uh, Little Germany between the Nazi gold and just being generally offensive in his comments to the host, and the host is kind of like the avatar for the audience or critics. He's like, "What the fuck?" When Uva Boll starts talking about how the children are making him horny. Like, the, the guy interviewing him, like, you know, accost him. Like, what the fuck? What is wrong with you? You know, it's like, he's like, what? You know, that's that's the joke. He's like, I, I get it. I know exactly what I'm doing here. You know, yeah. Smell a yeah. fart, kick rocks, as the, the Thunderous Wizard said. <laughs> um, but I would say this, though. I mean, there are a few jokes. If you watch the credits, they run some, like, B-roll gag stuff. And there's some stuff between the two old guys that is pretty fucking offensive. Um, if you haven't seen that, you should go back and watch that because I I'm shocked it's not in the movie because it's like wow it's that an- seems par for the course. But they obviously felt like it was good enough. Like well we'll stick it over the credits in the director's cut. I and did it's the some bare, bare stuff.
1: minimum to participate in this pod, which was I watched the full cut of the film. And as soon as the credits started rolling, I stopped.
0: Okay, so to be fair, I had it running while I was typing up my notes. And that's the only reason I caught the credits. And I still had my headphones on while it was going on. And like, I like did a spit take. I was like, holy shit, Big Lebowski, no. Anyway.
2: yeah. And the other old guy is Seymour Castle, who you also recognize.
0: Yeah, he's done
2: a ton of stuff. He's been in a couple of Wes Anderson movies and uh yeah you're yeah you're just kind of like oh well
0: what are you doing i guess this is uh, i was all <laughs> yeah, it, it's a paycheck um so hey i was gonna ask also i think i know the answer is no across the board would you recommend folks see this movie no uh, not at all fuck no, no. nope the, nope,
2: nope
1: yeah there's
2: nothing yeah. worth
1: your time here like this isn't even like a there's a bunch of weird visuals and how did this happen or interesting time, like, I will say there's, from an interesting timepiece perspective, this is 100% what 2007 produces. This is G4 random for the sake of random, offensive for the sake of offensive, just dumb
0: bullshit that doesn't like, that we have grown past. Yeah, I, you know, it's offensive for the sake of offensive. Um and it aspired to be nothing else. Yes. And that's that's where I do give the movie some just hint of credit. It it achieved what it wanted to achieve. It wasn't trying to be great, it was trying to be awful and it was. Um so with that being said, I've got some open-ended questions here. Did this movie deserve to flop? Yeah. I don't think there's a general audience for this kind of movie. This is, you hope it catches on DVD sales with college kids, right? Yeah, I mean, it, that they spent
1: $15 million on this movie. Wild mistake. Five. Five million is all you need. Like, this was a up-jumped art student project just to see how many dick and poopy jokes they can do.
0: Right, I've never seen movie 43, but I assume it's in the same vein as this.
2: Yeah, I would guess. I, I haven't seen it either, but it's, it's a variety of skits that are all terrible.
0: Right, and the guy that did that is the Slap Chop guy.
2: Wait, what yep,
1: mean? nope, that's it. There we are. The yep, Slap Chop
2: guy Lance. directed a movie? ShamWow, yeah. yeah.
1: The guy who got his tongue bit off by a hooker.
0: I... Not off, just bit. But yeah, um and but he got a bunch of people to be in that movie. Like Adrian Brody's in that. Leaf Schreiber's um,
2: in it, Hugh Jackman's
0: he, in it. I I I don't know how it's like a paycheck thing. It's like can you just show up for like forty grand for four hours? And I, I don't know how that deal works, but but my point is again, he marketed that at late night T V. You know, he's just and he's just hey, I'm just trying to make like Probably, I'm trying to make two hundred thousand dollars off this and call it good, kind of thing. I don't, I mean, I don't know what their model is for that, but that's the kind of movie this feels like. That this doesn't feel like something that was meant for a theatrical release. It's like, hey, how can I get this into late night infomercials, butted up next to Girls Gone Wild commercials? That seems like the yeah. audience for this kind of this movie. This is
1: playing at the margins, which is why I said fifteen million dollars was too much. You spend five on this, and then you kind of like. You tone down some of the more obnoxious parts, or maybe you don't.
0: I, well, I don't no, I, again, I, I think part of the problem, to your point, Captain Cash, is not just the budget, too. I think Uval Bull had bigger ambitions, and maybe
2: maybe that's yeah. the problem. There Gee. wasn't a
0: clear vision.
2: By this point in his career, he had no business getting $15 million to make a movie. When there's like actual people with good ideas out there who can't get their movie bankrolled, and this guy's getting $15 million to put this on screen it's not like this was his last movie either. I know it's baffling I I, I did want to say I recommend you watch like the first 15-20 minutes maybe the whole thing and then realize that only a few years later Uwe Boll made a documentary about Auschwitz so and he got that funded too it's
0: it's apparently pretty good
2: I don't know it's got bad ratings but you know if I was going to watch a documentary about Auschwitz well I'd probably read a book uh, but I certainly wouldn't watch his. So I, <laughs> so. I
0: actually, I, I, okay, it's controversial because he does have some like nude scenes in it, um, not gratuitously like sexual, but just, I, I think part of the problem, again, it's like an unflinching look at what Auschwitz would have really been like. And some people are just like, yeah, it's not in good taste. But he's like, no, this is what it was like. Suck it. So it's it's weird. It's like he's got a weird like moral code where he like I want to turn an unflinching eye to things. And I think I think it's I'm not saying it's good, but it, I guess it's controversial. I I'm convinced
1: I'm convinced you as Bull's moral code is how much money can I make for doing the bare minimum work?
2: Uh, you know.
0: That might be part
2: of it. No, I, but, think, uh, I think he actually, I mean, he clearly puts into work on these movies. He's just not, he's not, uh, he's like Ed Wood. Yeah, um, like, I will say this. His destiny uh, is schlockmeister.
0: Yeah, I, I was reading some stuff about Uwe Boll, and apparently people like to work with him.
2: Um, well, obviously, Ben Kingsley loves him.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, they, they say he's a great guy. He's great with the actors. He's nice. He's a nice guy. He's nice to people. He's, he's fun to work with. He shows up on set and says, hey, guys, we're going to be done by four o'clock today. There's a hockey game on and the puck drops at five. And that's like just, unheard of in Hollywood. Like Nobody says, like, hey, we're going to finish early today or sets a hard stop and says we're done. But That's what he does. He's like, hey, I'm going to get this done like under budget and before deadline. And that's what he does. And people Uh, like to work with him. He does that for sure. Clint Howard, I think, is on the record saying that he calls me up and says, hey, Clint, come work for me and I'll pay you, you know, uh, scale. Clint Howard's like, I'm there. I mean, Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I think he's a reasonable human being. I think he likes making movies. But people say he is a better producer and caster than he is director. Well, say he's a
2: great caster. He gets, like, insane people to do these movies. And he's good
0: at raising funds. Well, I think we can all agree here. This is probably mostly correct. Uh, did this movie ultimately achieve what it set out to? I think so.
2: Yeah, it wanted to be a giant mushroom cloud of insanity, and that's what it is.
1: Yeah, no, I mean... That's the whole reason I don't try to put this up for the movie shit champion of the universe because its aspirations are so low; it doesn't try to be anything more than Haha, dick and poopy jokes. This is dumb. The end. And yep. So yeah, it it achieves that completely.
2: And honestly, it, it it clearly honors the source material more than most other video game movies. So, I mean, yeah, Postal sounds too. like a stupid game and. It's a stupid movie, but it uses a lot of things from the game. Like, you know, we're about to do Street Fighter, and it's like really nothing like Street Fighter. Not Street Fighter with Van Damme, but the other one. And it's like, this has, it's Street Fighter in name alone. And Mario Brothers was Mario Brothers in name alone.
0: Very true. Yeah. One last question. And this isn't really an open ended question, but I think it's a fair one. This movie opened on four screens in the U.S. If they had cut that opening 9-11 gag, do you think this movie would have fared better in the U.S.? No.
2: No, I I agree. His track record was pretty much well-known by that point. Like He had made a bunch of really subpar movies, House of the Dead.
0: You're missing the point here, though. I think that limited its release. You get more than four screens if you cut that. So, you, yeah, uh, so you're same...
2: still making, maybe you make a million dollars. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, still. This that's isn't exactly going like, to be like uh, that's the water a couple orders of, of
0: magnitude better, yeah. I think, you know? Yeah. People like a million going, bucks uh... is a million bucks. Hey, when you're Uva Bull, that's, that's a big win.
2: I, it still baffles it me. He's it, so good at fundraising that he can get $15 million for a movie about a game that. Almost nobody played. <laughs> I just don't care. Well, I,
1: I just nobody played I I hadn't even heard of that game until I
0: had to watch this movie for this series. Um in a movie that only made a hundred and forty six plus thousand dollars, I think another million from the US would have been a big help. Mm. Think about that. Um,
1: yeah, but it's a difference between one point one million dollars to the fifteen you put in versus point one million dollars to the fifteen. Yeah, it's better,
2: but Either way, you still dude.
1: fucking failed tremendously. Either way, oh it costs no, I, money.
0: No, I, I, th- I think getting a wider distribution would have helped this movie because it's just dumb enough they would have caught on with people. Here's the thing.
2: Here's what I I'll say know. about this movie. We grew up early '90s, late '80s, where and. Even before that, obviously, where spoof movies were actually good, so Spaceballs, Naked Gun, uh, Hot Shots, where the, the movies were legit funny and they were an amalgamation of other movies and they're making fun of them. That's what this yeah. movie feels like, and but it feels like those later spoof movies, Meet the Spartans, uh, you know, uh, comic book mo- or superhero, movie, yeah. those types the of super movies derivative that ones that yeah. were really bad. But they, a lot of those still made money. So there is something to the notion that if this had a wider release, a bunch of people went and saw it and be like, "Oh, that was the greatest thing ever! How funny was that? Dick's boobs, yeah. machine guns, yeah." But it reminds me a lot of the bad spoof movies where, like, the whole time you're waiting for something to land because they're trying, they're throwing so much shit at the screen, like joke after joke after joke, and none of them ever work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what could have been? What yeah. could have been? All righty. Well, with the uh, questions wrapped up there, folks, let's take a break here. Before we return for our raging bowl postal trivia challenge, see you on the other side. All right, loyal listeners, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, and thanks for sticking with us through this Uve Bowl fueled roller coaster of an episode. It's now time for the Raging Bull Postal Trivia Challenge. All right. This is the standard format. Five questions, multiple choice, and the winner receives a complimentary pre-order for Postal 4. No regrets. My
1: regrets are going to be if I win this and I have to play that fucking game. Do you think
2: I get traded my Congo Sega Saturn? addition for it uh, for credits toward postal. Floor.
0: I give you about three fifty.
2: I bet it'd be less. I bet you I'd get like maybe a dollar thirty-five for Congo on Sega Saturn. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Captain Cash, dude, and Thunderous Wizard, dude, are you prepared for this trivia challenge? Um, I assume my chime in is no regrets.
2: Yeah. Maybe. Oh
0: yeah. Absolutely, the chime in is no regrets.
2: Or is it maybe I'm by. <laughs> oh, oh man. no, no,
1: I'm taking that one. I'll accept I'll, either. Maybe I'm, I guess I'm by. <laughs> the one, the one joke in this movie that lands, which we will now ruin for you. So th- this movie is a total wash if you try to watch
0: it. Oh, I think it was a wash from the get go. Question number one. Uva Bowl is notorious for cranking out crappy movies based on video game properties. How many video game movies has he directed? Is it A, thirteen, B, eleven, C, seven, or D, twenty-two?
2: It's a high flying
0: That goes to the thunderous wizard.
2: Okay, Aww. so I know it's more than seven. Uh, I'm going to go with thirteen.
0: You are incorrect, sir. Captain Cash, can you steal? I I actually think it's seven. Is it seven? You are both incorrect. The correct answer is B eleven.
2: eleven. Yeah. Eleven. I knew it was ah. not I counted them,
0: Yeah. He's done like he three did like,
2: blood rains, so
0: He did three blood rains and three what's the House of the Dead? The no, name source the, and sorcery one in, in the name of the, of the of king, king. The dungeons. Three of those. Yeah. Yeah, three of those, three Blood Rains, House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Postal, something else, whatever, doesn't matter. Okay, well, we are all tied up at Goose Eggs here. Question number two. Fern Troyer's role is directly inspired by a real-life celebrity featured in the game Postal 2. Who was the celebrity originally featured in the game? Was it A, Andy Dick, B, Gary Coleman, C. Lester Beetlejuice Green, one of the Whack Packers from Howard Stern, or D. Jason Weeman Acuna? I got some (laughs) vibe.
1: It's Gary Coleman.
0: it's 100% Gary I wasn't sure if that was Coleman. Captain Cash chiming in or just giving some personal details, but yes, you are correct. Yeah. It was, in fact, Gary Coleman. I knew that one. Gary Coleman was offered the role in the movie, but he turned it down because he did not want to curse.
2: Good for you, Gary. Good for you, Good. Gary. So, Rest in peace, also.
0: Did he not voice himself in the postal game? Apparently, he didn't have to swear in the game okay well captain cash is taking the lead at one zero and that brings us to question number
1: three wait but before we go
0: there can i also ask the
1: question so he was fine with the chimp rape but it was the the curse that was saying fuck that was like i can't do that
2: wow i'm sure there's other things he took umbrage with (laughs) who knows at what point in
0: time the chimp rape came into the script Let's be fair. Also true. I
2: mean, because he
1: is absolutely in Avenue Q. Well, I mean, he's not in Avenue Q, but he is a character in Avenue Q, and he definitely curses the character of him. Either way.
0: Never mind. Go on. Moving on. Question number three. One of the actors in Postal advised Uva Boll to drop the 9-11 opening scene to improve the movie's chances of success in the U.S. Which actor was it? Was it A. Dave Foley, B. J.K. Simmons, C. Zach Ward, D. Vern Troyer, or E. Chris Coppola?
2: It's a high-flying company, Mister Wizard. It's got to be J.K. Simmons. He's the only guy with the kind of stroke to to make that call.
0: That would be the obvious answer, but I'm afraid it's incorrect, Captain.
1: Yeah, Cat, no, no chance with
0: J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons doesn't give a
1: fuck. He clearly doesn't give a fuck. Zero like, fucks were given on this movie yeah, by J.K. The, the only people who could possibly give a shit about that would be either Zach the lead, or well, who are
0: my other options? Chris, Alvar Chris Uh yeah. the, an- the the remaining answers are A. Dave Foley, C. Zach yeah. Ward, D. Vern Troyer, or E. Chris Coppola. And you know what?
1: All of those have various points. Zach is the lead. We'd be like, "Hey, I'm kind of hoping this will be a thing. Please don't fuck this up for me." Dave Foley is actually funny, uh, so knows how to tell a joke. Chris has got to be like, "Hey, this is the first movie I'm in. I'd like it if you know people see it." And he, he was Troyer also
0: he was also in the uh, Friday the Thirteenth reboot. Fun yeah. fact. And Vern Troyer is probably like, "Hey,
1: I've been in enough movies now to know what works and what doesn't, and this probably doesn't work." I think uh, he was drunk the whole
0: time.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, no, and that's the other thing because I feel like Vern Troyer probably doesn't give a shit. Ah, it, he was it, in a suitcase wide-up
0: wide-up dildo for most of the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But so I'm either between <laughs> I, things I never thought Troyer. I would say
0: for a thousand, Alex. Uh, I'm gonna say Vern Troyer. No, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. It was Dave Foley. Damn it! I think what you missed there is he's probably the most veteran of the like comedic actors, and he's like, hey man, this just doesn't work. Anyway, okay, so folks, that's another miss for our contestants. The lead remains with Captain Cash at one zero. Don't worry, Thunderous Wizard. You can still get back in this because that brings us to question number four, fellow Red Hawk. Lindsay Hollister has appeared in several questionably titled films, some of which involving Uva Bowl. Which one of the following movies is not a real film? Is not a real film. I think this one will be pretty easy for us. A, Blubberarella. B, Tranny MacGyver. C, Puff Puff Pass. D, Walk a mile in my Pradas. Or E, All the Pretty Whores.
2: Uh it's a high flying company.
0: Thunderous wizard.
2: Jeez, uh, they're all so absurd. Uh, all the pretty whores. That is correct. <laughs> there right, is a movie right. titled Tranny
0: MacGyver. I That's figured the there was. Yeah. From this. I figured there was. <laughs> and I'll just add for uh you know topical purposes that Danny Masterson is in Puff Puff Pass. Oh no. Oh
2: no. Yeah.
0: Oh, damn okay. Man. Scientology so, is a scam, everybody. Danny, we're exactly tied at so. ones. We are tied at ones, folks. It is this one is it, all. isn't it? Question number five for all the marbles and the pre order for Postal Four, no regrets. Uh, some regrets. Some, maybe some. Seymour Cassell. The other old man with the big Lebowski gave a famous rock star their stage name in the form of a childhood nickname. Which rocker is it? Is it A, the American Badass Kid Rock? Is it B, Flea? Is it C, Slash? Is it D, Iggy Pop? Or E, He'll do anything for love, just not that meatloaf.
2: I guess I'm... Uh,
0: Damn it. Thunderous Wizard.
2: Uh, Iggy Pop.
0: You, sir, are incorrect. Captain Cash, can you steal for the win? Meatloaf? Come on, meatloaf. Damn it. It's not meatloaf. 50-50. Let's keep going. Uh, All right.
2: Okay, repeat, repeat the repeat
0: the How do I wonder,
2: how do I finish okay, You got so flea. Three. We
0: got three. Yeah, f- it is Kid Rock, Flea, and Slash are our remaining options.
2: Okay, I Okay, I guess okay. And,
0: but before he answers, before he answers, if we're both
1: wrong, I feel like Chumzilla has to order postal four for himself and play it.
2: Oh sweet. Fair Let's enough. throw this thing.
1: All right, deal. Done. You go ahead. You uh, bastard. wizard,
2: You it, did chime in. My guess is Flea now.
0: It's incorrect.
2: This is bullshit.
0: This is bullshit. Captain Cash, your two options are Kid Rock or Slash. I'm going to say Kid Rock only
1: because that's not contemporary enough. It's not. It was Slash.
2: Ha! Well, guess you got to play it yourself. Fuck. Yeah, so apparently...
0: Apparently, his son or his grandson were friends. Well, it would have been his son, I'm assuming. Were friends with uh, Slash growing up. And I guess Slash ran around and was just like a spastic little kid. So he was dashing around, like slashing from side to side. So they called him Slash as a kid. And it stuck. And he took it as a stage name. It interesting. Wildly specific. But fair enough. That, that, that I, just, was interesting. I thought that was really interesting. I thought, that, that's that by far my fact. favorite question. All these pods. That's my favorite. More interesting than the rest of this fucking film. (sighs) Uh, Fair enough. Well, folks, it's a sad day. There was no winner in tonight's uh, (coughs) Raging Bull postal trivia challenge. The rights and privilege of a pre ordered copy of Postal Four, No Regurts, falls to me, the host, Chumpzilla, and I'm a little sad. Um, But anyway. That brings us to our next section, which would be recommendations. And I will go first because I'm selfish. Check out Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 11-9. It's a very topical movie as we approach November's election. It does a great job of breaking down the 2016 election and serves as a cautionary tale for the Democratic Party if they don't find a way to solve their voter apathy problem. You also get an interesting look at the Flint water crisis and how even President Obama failed the kids of Flint. Also, and perhaps most importantly, it makes a compelling argument for blaming Gwen Stefani for the Trump presidency. What? No! I, what did she yeah. possibly do?
2: What didn't she do? Is the question. I, I guess shit's the bananas.
1: basis from her B-A-N-A-N-A-S
0: bananas yeah. I'm not going to spoil it, you guys should check it maybe out Maybe someone
2: watching. called to ask her uh, who she was voting for and they got her message that sorry, she's not home right now, she's walking into spider webs, and to leave a message and she'll call you back which she never did thus never casting her vote in the 2016 election, or maybe she voted yeah. for Jill Stein I
1: just
0: she had pink hair at a very formative time in my life I'm not <laughs> ready for this Guys. And what I will say is you don't have to agree with Michael Moore's politics to enjoy this movie because I think the questions that he poses and raises in this movie are very interesting. You might not agree with his answers or his suggestions, but he highlights some really interesting stuff. And there's a lot of intersectionality between, like, politics and the social uh, political policies for, like, Flint talks about the teachers unions and the strikes they had in that time period like 2015, 2016. And the fun, I guess probably one of the other fun things is it highlights the campaign of AOC before she was elected yeah. how she was the new face of the Democratic Party trying to recover, you know, after the loss of that election in 2016. So it's a it's an interesting time capsule and again very topical as we approach November's election. But anyway, gentlemen, what have you got for the listeners? What recommendations can you give us? Captain Cash? I am going to do the thing I always do, which is recommend
1: a thing I recommended before. Uh, and in this case, it's it's going to be Future Man. Future Man covers everything that this film wanted to be in a better way, to the point where they literally have Osama bin Laden show up as a character. It is lowbrow dick and poopy joke humor but done in a clever way that like that just goes to the heart of what I was talking about before that you could make jokes about basically anything provided you do it in a way that is either exceedingly funny and clever or has some sort of you know point to it which this movie fails at spectacularly yeah because I I know that my co-hosts will shake their heads and poo poo me for (sighs) Recommending another thing that's good because not enough people have seen the thing that's good. I'm gonna piggyback off of Chumzilla and say, just just watch AOC's response to the apology from Yoho from Florida, because she she tears a man's heart out and eats it in front of him on the Congress floor, and it is just perfection.
0: She burnt that shit down. Yeah, I would just oh, say this to your good. comment about you know movies that do what Uva Bull was trying to do better to me it's like dude did you not see The Running Man like I, I feel like you can make social commentary in like movies that are like over the top and a little like hyper violent and like it still works I'm not saying they're the same movie I'm just saying like there's prior art that shows you how to do what you're trying to do and it's like you kind of ignored it and just like oh, I, let's, let's middle school it to the that so. max
1: it's
2: called Paul uh, Derbulton
0: Oh, yeah. Future Robocop. Man. Yeah. Listen,
2: what Future is Future Man? Fucking that, is it a movie?
0: Is it a comic book? Is it a webcomic? It's, it's a series
1: on Hulu. Andrew okay. Wizard and I were there for the, the premiere at Comic Con, whatever it was, four years ago. Three years ago? Three years ago. And, like, it includes a Running Man esque game show. It includes full frontal nudity and dicks and things like that, done in a way that is funny. And, like, it's. It is hyper violent. It is sexual. It is. It includes Osama bin Laden as a character who is at least in part sympathetic, and it is fucking hilarious. And that's that's the difference. And honestly, the way that it it had its last season this year, twenty twenty, they did three seasons of it, and they're done. And each season is, I think. Like 10, between 8 and 10 episodes, and they're only 30 minutes at a go, so you could power through it. Right on. But the way it ends is basically perfect in keeping with the humor, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's 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 spectacular. Mr. Wizard, right. Wizard, what, you got? Wizard
2: what
0: do
1: you
2: got? Okay, so Zach Ward, obviously, was a child actor, Scott Fargus. Mm. Uh, my recommendation is Alex Winter, yes, Bill from Bill and Ted, alex winter also one of the vampires from the lost boys uh he did a new documentary it's on it's on uh hbo now called showbiz kids and it chronicles basically the bizarre life of being a kid growing up in the entertainment industry uh interviews like six or seven different people uh what's her name oh like the kid from et um What's the girl's Drew name? Drew Barrymore. No, <laughs> Elliot. Elliot is interviewed in it. Who's had a pretty difficult life uh, since? Uh, what's her name? Gosh darn it! She's on uh, Westworld. Westworld. No, like they didn't cover a lot of the train wrecks. They mention it because it is such a crazy industry, and it and it can destroy a kid's life because you don't have a child, etc. and so on. Haley
1: uh, Joel Osment, who is in fucking
0: Future Man.
2: You gotta. You gotta have to take a chill pill, dude.
1: Huge Man is just really good it's got Seth Rogan everybody should watch it Henry Thomas
0: was Elliot
2: yep Henry Thomas uh, Evan Rachel Wood who obviously has been ah. is a huge star and obviously survived the crazy machine of Hollywood uh, not everybody they did Will Wheaton's in it you know does go on to have a successful career after it was really good um, and Alex Winter's actually done a lot of movies uh, Panama Papers free on Amazon it's really good uh, I'd watch that it's, like a, it's a documentary series Yeah, and of course Bill and Ted Face the Music Is going to VOD and some theaters September 1st And who's not ready oh, nice. for the Wild Stallions To rock again? I am
0: I wasn't aware it was VOD Nice.
2: Yeah, they announced it the other day uh, Yeah, so that's my recommendation yeah.
0: Welcome to the new normal And I'll just throw this in Fahrenheit 11.9 is free to stream On Amazon Prime right now
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you listeners for sticking with us all the way through this difficult pod on a movie. That's not so good, but, uh, Hey, let's put that behind us just like the steel reserve that we've downed to get through this. And let's look forward to what our next episode is going to bring. Mr. Wizard. What's the next movie spinning bird kicking its way onto the pod as part of our up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select, start,
2: flop series it is street fighter the legend of chun Li, starring smallville's Kristen crook and i'm always the asshole of neil mcdonough amongst other people so stay tuned it's gonna be a lot of fun i love street fighter i don't love this movie
0: don't shortchange chris klein
2: yeah chris klein's the highlight i have a lot of positive things to say about his performance it is not wild- too it is wildly over the top in all the best ways Uh, so yeah join us next week for that please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you would Uh, you can find the show at Hops and B.O. Flops on Facebook Twitter and Instagram you can find Captain Cash up Future Man's ass you can find Chumpsilla at Chumzilla 8 on Twitter and myself at T (laughs) L K. so we'll see you next time (laughs) don't get mad at me
1: because it's a good show
0: no regrets No
1: regrets.